perfectly middle-aged. The sheriff calls us outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. This is episode 13 and we are still in January 1998, we're struggling to get out. Um, we have we have spoke about the WWF Royal Rumble 1998, we've jumped ship like many of uh, Vince McMahon wrestlers have done and we're now in WCW. Um, but before we get into all that, I'm here with Adam. Adam, how are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. How are you enjoying living in 1998 again? I love living in 1998. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish it wasn't just the wrestling. You know, I could just go back. Simpler times. Absolutely. No social media. Yeah, great. <laughs> I was um, I was watching a documentary about Manchester United today and the, um, it was kind of like a bit of a... It was... Uh, Made by Eric Cantona. I don't know. Have you seen it? No, I, I think I've put it on my planner because I was quite interested, but I've not watched it yet. It's going through mainly going through uh, from round about before Fer- round about when Ron Atkinson was in charge um, through Ferguson in charge, and I was really really enjoying the kind of mid nineties part of it. I was kind of thinking this is like just could become one of those people that just lives <laughs> during an era. Um, yeah, at least until we get to December, that that might not be the worst idea in the world, to be honest. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Everything was better back then, <laughs> maybe. Um, anyway, so we got our we got our first taste of WCW WCW. <laughs> we got our first taste of WCW in nineteen ninety eight with with uh, Nitro. Um, and the first pay-per-view offering that they gave us, which was sold out, nineteen ninety-eight. The yeah. second, the second sold out. I think after their their first ever um, joint promotion, WCW and NWO, in nineteen ninety-seven, which I believe was a gigantic. Um, yeah, wasn't it? I don't think it went very well at all. Did it? The, the very first one. No, I've I've definitely seen it. I don't remember it that well, but I think um, they were trying to do it a little bit different, and it just didn't. It didn't really work. I don't think. I think people were liking the basically what they were seeing on TV. You know, with the NWO guys, almost in a, an invasion style scenario. But I don't think they actually wanted it to play off the way that pay-per-view went. So, oh, yeah. they, they wanted to make it an NW-only pay-per-view, didn't they? The 1987 yeah. one, that's right. Yeah. And I think it flopped pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so we're here a year later, um, and the kind of... Let's try and set out where WCW kind of was at this time. Yeah. Um, I think they'd been... This is part of the um, infamous 83 weeks of... Uh, round about here where they, they've topped the television ratings over Raw, I believe. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, um, they were they were winning at this stage, although um, I, I think they went on, they continued winning for quite a while from here on. Um, the NWO was huge and uh, 
we'll sort of see as we go through, but there, there's a hell of a lot of talent in the company. Uh, maybe not always being used the best, but for a while it was absolutely working. I think that sort of mix of a little bit of nostalgia, um, but in a cool new storyline compared mm. to what where people used to see them um, and some of the, the other type of performers they had, which were, I think, really grabbing all different types of crowd at the time. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing that absolutely struck me straight away was the the rosters, and and we spoke last episode, episode twelve, when we talked about the Royal Rumble, and the WWF roster at this time stacked in some ways, and yeah, just a, yeah, a bit flimsy in other ways, and mm-hmm. there were there were guys on the roster that you're just a bit like, who who are they again? Whereas yeah. you look at this WCW roster, and it's absolutely stacked with talent. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, where to start? So at, at this point in time, the WCW title is vacant, um, and f- from the from what I've watched, uh, and I only I watched the Go Home Nitro, which yeah. really wasn't the Go Home Nitro because there was a thunder um, the Thursday before, and I didn't take that into account, and yeah. um, didn't watch the thunder, which which was a bit of a blunder. Did you watch The Thunder? I didn't, no. And I, I think... Um, I, I always thought Thunder was very much the B-show and, you know, the big stars weren't even on it, but it turns out some pretty important storyline things happened on Thunders mm. at, at certain points. Because I, I did the same as you. I watched the go-home Nitro and um, it was a little bit of a muddle when I actually got to sold out because they're referencing things and I'm like, I don't really know where that's come from. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it seemed like they maybe hadn't even set up a lot of these matches until the Thunder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say was that the WCW title is currently vacant when, when we pick up here. Uh, Sting and Hogan went... Can, can you shed any light on what happened between Sting and Hogan in 1997? Oh. All I know, because I remember a few things that I've just heard about, but I hadn't seen here, uh, that there was a little bit of a a convoluted finish, I think an indecisive finish or a dodgy referee or something like that, um, that went against Sting winning. Um, no, Hogan retaining. Oh, it's happened both ways round, and I'm trying to get my head around which one these would have been. Right. Because I've heard things like... Um, Hogan was supposed to retain, but it was supposed to be a fast count. But then the referee didn't that's do a fast right, count. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and it, I think there's been all sorts of rumours that maybe Hogan had a word with the ref and just said, you know, me just just count normal, and that just throws everything into confusion. So, um, I, I I can't say for sure that that's what's happened here, and it's been held up because of that. But I do know that happened somewhere in the program between the two. Okay. So yeah, so the title's vacant. We don't have a title match on the Nitro before. We don't have a title match on the actual pay per view. No. Um, Scott Hall is the number one contender to the title when one becomes when a champion takes the title. um, Because he won that gigantic. Was it? Is it World War? World War Three. He 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 won that three ring ridiculous thing that they used to do. Um, so he's waiting on the champion basically 
uh, being crowned so that he can then take on the champion that itself has its, has its own sort of uh, impact because if Hogan is champion that means that he would be fighting against Hogan and they're both in NWO so you've, there's a lot of storylines going on here yeah. Um, who else we got as champions? I think the outsiders are tag champs. Scott Hall seems to be taking pride in that, but I've never once seen Kevin Nash with a tag belt. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty much spot on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how um, invested in that uh, Nash actually was at the time. Really weird. Yeah, um, it's funny because when I'm, I'm watching these, and I think we mentioned the previous. Uh, show for WWE I, I watched as like a refresher because I, I had an idea at the time of what was going on and I've since gone back and watched a lot of stuff and you know you, you put just a few signposts in your mind and you think yeah that's what was happening mm. there that's what was happening there with this it felt a little bit more like you know just jumping in and seeing some things for the first time absolutely um, same for me and not really having the sort of background to fall back on. But as we go through the year, that should, you know, all firm up in our minds, I think. Yeah. It's funny, I was... um, This morning, actually, before we came to record, I was um, flicking through the Nitro to try and find the Nitro after. But uh, on on the network app, I had to go through... It started at December 98 and I had to go all the way back. So I was like, it's almost like seeing like a, um, a clockwork orange version of all the shit that we've got to get through to watch this year. <laughs> That's the spirit. Uh, there was a lot of Ultimate Warrior flashing up. I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> That's this year? <laughs> um, as far as other champions are concerned, I think DDP's the United States champion. Yes, and Booker T is the TV champion, and they seem to be framing him as a fighting champion, and he seems to be putting the belt on the line every show to all comers. Yes, which I like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's the idea behind a, a belt like that. Um, yeah, we've also got Mysterio as cruiserweight that's champion. Right. We do. Um, but yeah, it's funny because not all the even though it's a it's a big show for them, not all the belts actually feature on the sold out pay per view, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, that's right. Actually, and and we'll get to the pay per view. But the thing that really struck me about it was that it was on for almost three hours, but it felt like. It felt like a WrestleMania card, not in the fact that it was absolutely amazing, but it felt like a WrestleMania card in that it felt like it, it went on for ages. There just seemed to be match after match after match. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think that's a lot to do with what we said about the talent, and there's no real opportunity for... Sometimes in WWF pay-per-views, you get that kind of opportunity to to take a breath and, and slow mm-hmm. down, and, oh, this is just like a kind of throwaway match, but... Um, with the kind of talent that WCW have got at this time, it's like every match is high stakes. Yeah, and I think there's a a pressure to get a hell of a lot of them involved as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the performers into a match, and some of them felt a bit rushed, but we'll talk about that as we go. Um, maybe matches that could have had a bit more build, but yeah, I think, um, like you say, talking about the talent, it's probably the you know, the the low card and the mid card where the difference really is. I mean, WWE had its, you know, top of the card talent and it was definitely 
comparable with what WCW had, but I think as soon as you get below that, there's there's a lot of sort of lower tier talent in WCW that's really impressive here. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Shall we jump into the the go home nitro or the the night the Monday nitro before the pay per view? Yeah, um, and just maybe pick out a couple of highlights that that kind of jumped out to both of us. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we, you and I, the very first match that we get introduced to with this, and I, like basically, like you said, for me, this was a almost an introduction to to going back and watching WCW. This is new to me, so uh, we get Eddie Guerrero looking young and uh, like a full-on heel mode. Absolutely uh-huh. love it. Um, versus Rick Martel yeah. in black <laughs> pants gigantic ass <laughs> really weird he's massive yeah he is. Like, it really yeah. shows Eddie got bigger as he, as he went along uh-huh. um, particularly towards his title run WWF but Martel just looks gigantic and Martel wasn't a big guy in yeah. WWF but yeah that's our very first match I do not remember who won it um, was um, Martel was it Martel yeah, I think this is, you know, there's one of the big criticisms of the time was that the uh, WCW were signing up all of this previous uh, WWE talent and kind of putting them over on some of their own up-and-coming younger guys. Mm-hmm. And um, they're obviously wanting to go into a, a little bit of a Martel story. Uh, he ends up featuring on Sold Out, going up against Booker T. Um it, I got the impression he was maybe pretty new into the company at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, to be honest, I, I don't think he's there that long. We'll, we might see that as it goes. He might just be gone after a, a few weeks. But Bloody hope it, so. It didn't... He kind of stood out, and I don't really mean it in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's just something right there. I don't... Yeah. I, yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it, but he just looked odd. He... Yeah. It... it it comes across a few times actually with various different guys but it's like everybody's in black and everybody's in this kind of shiny leather stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and you're used to seeing Rick Martel in pink and being flamboyant and he's coming across like he's quite edgy almost Yeah, but it doesn't really work anyway we've spent too much time talking about Rick Martel and we'll probably (laughs) speak speak about it more so Um, we we get a little uh, flavour of some of the infighting that's going on in the NWO, particularly yep. between Kevin Nash and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yep. Um, the Giant has I, has split from the NWO. Am I to take it from, yeah. from this? He's, he's away from them. Yeah, when I, when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, is he, is he not joined yet? But I'm pretty sure he has, and he's been in and removed himself from them, I think. Yeah, um, because I think when he joined, it was a far smaller group. I yeah, think he was, was only he was one of the earliest. Yeah, yeah. So him and Hogan are kind of having a little bit of a thing, and like I said, Savage and Nash, which feels like a much more serious beef. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm always concerned watching Savage because <laughs> you never know if he's kayfabe or not, but. It also it adds a certain edge to it, which is yeah. good to watch. Um, we get a really good 
uh, match between a, a surprisingly good match between Martin United and Chris Benoit here. Um, and yeah. Benoit's heavy over with the fans. They love him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I didn't really know that Janetti had been in WCW. I know he's one of the most fired ever people from WWE, <laughs> I think. But, so it makes sense that he wound up there at a point. He, he's Again, we'll probably find out he's not there very long, I mm-hmm. would have thought. But um, yeah, as you say, Benoit is... He's over and it seems like this is maybe just the start of what might be a little bit of a run for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know at this era, there's a bit of a glass ceiling for a lot of these slightly smaller, less name value guys. Yep. But it does seem like he's he's over and he's he should be heading in the right direction towards the, the top of the card. Yeah. Um, and he is Benoit is in a bit of a feud with Raven and Raven's got all his kind of followers called the Flock Um, something that's going to be very consistent anytime we're talking about WCW is that most matches are going to be are going to end with a disqualification a running an interference so most matches we're getting on Nitro basically start then end when somebody walks in and cracks somebody with a steel chair so I think we get that (laughs) here and Benoit's a little bit um, outnumbered against the flock is is this when Dean Malenko kind of comes and helps him or was that yeah is that at the pay-per-view I can't actually oh maybe it is maybe it is I've got it in my yeah that's at the pay-per-view okay Um, yeah I mean you're, you're right in that it's just sort of running central as we go through both these shows but uh, there's there's definitely a theme there but I loved the flock there's just something there was always something about the Raven character and he is the type of character that that should lead a faction that would have followers it Absolutely. just makes sense yeah. and um, when I realised that was the storyline here involving those two I thought this, this could be pretty good stuff yeah Love Raven, the, yeah. that that character that he plays, where he's not trying too hard. He's almost not trying hard enough, and it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. So composed. Yeah. Um, he grabs the mic and he says something completely wild that sounds like something from like the eighteenth century, and yeah, you just believe it. Yeah. Um, what else we got here? We got Scott Hall cutting cutting a promo on Larry Zabisco. I don't know why they're feuding. But the fans yeah. love Big Legend Larry. Yeah, I know these two had a history coming up through, um, you know, the, the territories because Hall goes, you know, way back. He must have started incredibly young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at a point there was a little bit of a like a mentor relationship. Ah. Um, but I don't, I don't know how much they've played to that on here because here it basically seems like Zabisco is just a bit of a legend who's now an announcer mm-hmm. um, who I assume is issue with Hall is the fact that he is NWO and they're basically trying to take over yeah, he um, was his boy yeah oh, okay yeah. I like that yep again we'll get onto it in the pay-per-view that's probably my favourite match the pay-per-view but we'll get onto it uh, I remember texting you saying oh great Scott Hall's in a feud with Larry Zabisco like I could give a flying <laughs> Raven's flock about that, but yeah. Anyway, we'll go on to it. Um, some other stuff that's going on, they're um, quite subtly uh, trying to show that the Steiners are not on the same page. 
Yeah. Um, we get a really good match between Mortis and Booker on this on this show and if you've not seen the post on our Instagram go and check that out Booker tries to kill Mortis with a, a power bomb <laughs> off the top rope and it is absolutely brutal I like this Mortis character um, he's almost a bit like WCW's version of Kane but a bit more agile um, who, who is it you said it was again from WWE uh, Chris uh, Canyon ah ok right because uh, I I knew the name of the character and I thought there's something familiar about him but I couldn't place him in my mind. One of those guys that's really good in the ring but yeah, kind of not really given much of a gimmick or anything like that but I like, yeah. I like this this whole presentation of this character. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm sure by next pay-per-view will be long gone. But <laughs> um, I've wrote down here that we've got a very long-winded promo between Ric Flair and Bret Hart. Yeah. I, I didn't know whether this was like the beginning of the setup for their match the next night or whether they've been doing this for weeks um, I, yeah, I didn't I, get any sort of inclination as to why they were having a match I th- to me about, it was it was it's supposed to be a story about respect because Brett refers to himself as best there is best there was best there ever will be <laughs> Flair's out there basically saying well I'm the best you know I've been forever here um, and you know, it's disrespectful for you to say that, but I, I don't know. You don't, you don't really want for me, Brett, in these long-winded exchanges. I know Ric Flair's cut a lot of good promos back in his, his heyday. I think he needs to be up against a certain type to do that, mm-hmm. um, and it, it never really felt like it got going. It, nah, it, yeah, they, they don't really flat. mesh, do they? Aye, nah. There's no, again, it comes up quite a lot, but there's no obvious heel and face dynamic. It's just kind of like two guys that are good. Yeah. Um, uh, We get quite a good match between Jericho and Juventud Guerrero on this episode Nitro. um, And it finishes off with Hogan versus the Giant. I don't have much notes on this apart from Shock Horror. It ends up in a big brawl. Yeah. Between Sting, Luger and the Giant fighting off against NW. Yeah, it, it was good in a way for me just to try and get my head around who's on what side at the time and things yeah. like that. Because even in, you know, some of the other matches they're referring to certain guys as if, you know, NWO affiliated and I'm thinking I I, I didn't know they were ever involved. Um yeah, there was one other thing I was gonna pick out and it runs into the pay per view as well. <laughs> um there's you mentioned the Steiners earlier <laughs> and the fact that they're they're doing quite an obvious, you know, Scott's turning <laughs> and we know what he's going to become. But the, the the situation between him and Bagwell, <laughs> the interactions between them are really weird. It's it's just these, you know, either in the middle of the match or just after one's partner has been beat down, let's just pose and look at each other. Smile at <laughs> each other. Yeah. And I know they're going to kind of align the two um, at, at a point, but... It's I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I think they do it on the. Do they do it on the pay per view as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, they just kind of like, like you say, smile at each other and pose. <laughs> put, like yeah. both their gimmicks are that they've got big muscles. Yeah. Buff Bagwell's a character, eh? Yeah. Um, he really never, makes me smile. <laughs> I never knew. Like I, I know he got involved in the 
NWO stories, and I think he was quite central to some of them at points. Um, I never knew before that what sort of character he was meant to be, because um, I, I just hadn't seen enough, I don't think. I like this little kind of three or four man offshoot of the NWO that's um, you've got Conan, Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, and um, the artist formerly known as Virgil, what do they call him? Vincent. Vincent, yeah. Who, whose main thing seems to be like let people know on the camera that they're in the NWO and yeah. stand at the side of the ring. <laughs> he, he got a good, uh, good deal. <laughs> But yeah, I, I quite yeah. like this little kind of mid-card offshoot of the NWO. It works for me. Yeah, um, and I suppose it's where when the faction became as big as it did, you, you had to break off some elements of it into their own separate storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made sense, I think, to, to do that. And yeah, they, they, they grouped together quite well. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's... Um, Let's get excited and jump into the pay-per-view, will we? Yeah. Um, I did notice, oh. I think on Nitro and on the pay-per-view, oh dear. They, they definitely had a structure to their shows. So when we go in and talk about the first match on the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. I think they, they tried to get a bit of, you know, high-flying, high-tempo action straight away mm-hmm. off the bat. And then, obviously, we we know what sort of talent's going to be on at the end, on at the, the the end of the card. But it felt like almost a card of two halves to me. Absolutely, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how I felt as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump in. So yeah. sold sold out ninety eight. The problem, Adam. The problem with calling your pay per view sold out is that when the pay-per-view opens, you then have to say that the building is sold out and yeah. Tony, Tony Giovanni struggles a little with saying, we are sold out, it's sold out. Yep. It, it sounds a little awkward. So just a little a little pointer for, uh, no doubt when NXT steal that, <laughs> steal that pay-per-view name. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Tony Giovanni. Um, and I'm not sure if you ever hear his podcast, at various times, and this may have been an, an era of it right until the end from here, he's apparently just incredibly pissed off because <laughs> he'd, he's never given any info at the start. He doesn't know a lot of the time what match is even coming up and things like that. Really? He, he does at some points just sound a little bit flustered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of put that down to like kind of like his, his thing. I didn't realise that that was like I think, real um, life. you know, We'll come to a point we talk about where he is definitely playing flustered, but yeah, right. I think think a lot of it was uh, genuine frustration because uh, I think a lot of these things were kind of put together last minute. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so who have we got here as our um, commentary team? We've got Siobhani, we've got the American Dream Bebe, yep. uh, Dusty <laughs> Rhodes, <quite> thanks, <laughs> and uh, Brain. We've got Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes. Is that who we had? Aye. Yeah. And um, somebody joins us later on, maybe either Sabisco or Iron Mike Tenay. I can't remember which one it I is. I think it's Mike Tenay. Is I think. it? Yeah. Uh, it's Iron Mike Tenay. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Tyson in WWF, Tenay in WCW. <laughs> so we start off with an absolute banger, no sarcasm at all. An eight man Lucha Libre rules tag match. 
Yeah. I'm going to need your help with the teams. We yeah. had Juve, Supercalo, Supercalo, yeah. yeah. uh, Chavo Guerrero, and Lismark Jr. Nice, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and they were taking on La Parca, who yeah. is absolutely now my favourite wrestler. Awesome. Uh, Silver King, Psychosis, and El Dandy. El Dandy, yeah. Who we also saw the, the Nitro after. Um, first thing that caught my attention here was an absolute class sign. Roddy Piper is a gimp. Uh, I need to know to look out for the signs because, <laughs> you know, just watching stuff in recent years, I, I think anything that's funny or controversial gets taken off the fans. So I need to remember to properly <laughs> pay attention because there'll be some brilliant ones in there. Um, this felt to me, remember when we when we reviewed the Rumble and yep. we had that um, that match that Sonny refereed the yep. the minis the, the mini superstars or whatever they were called this mm-hmm. felt to me like somebody had given them like the Mario Mushroom and <laughs> that's what we got with this match it was like a, a really good fun match with all the sort of stuff that you'd expect from kind of Lucha Libre, uh, mm-hmm. Mexican guys. But it was brilliant to watch. Yeah, it's really entertaining and it's, uh, you know, fast action. Um, and they're, it's kind of a bit of a spot fest, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really entertaining. There's always something going on, catching your eye. And I sort of mentioned before the structure, I think this is their way of... They'll have fans that want to see this kind of thing, and this is, you know, this bit for them. And there's a few other matches you would include on the card of that. But they did bring a lot of, you know, be it either lucha libre or Japanese style wrestling. They did tend to have something a little bit different on their shows in segments that I think was there for um, up in the tempo, getting off to a fast start, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think sometimes when it comes to something like this, it's, it's for some reason it's more when WWF do it. I kind of feel like they're trying to force feed me something that I don't really want, mm-hmm. and kind of switch off. Um, WWF certainly went through a period doing that in nineteen ninety seven. I remember they had a bunch of guys in the Royal Rumble ninety seven. Yeah, and yeah. one of them was so proud um, that he wouldn't about his character that he actually just climbed up the top ropes and just jumped out the rumble because he, he wouldn't allow anyone to eliminate him. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? I, I remember this situation, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but with this, I, d- I don't feel that. It doesn't feel contrived. It just feels like an entertaining yeah. match. I think this is a, an example of something that WCW were doing a lot better than WWE were because I think WWE were trying to do something similar and I don't know if it was presentation or talent or a bit of both probably um, it, it just didn't work it always felt um, it felt bottom of the card I mm-hmm. think on the WWE shows whereas here it feels like it really has its place yeah that's a good way of putting it and I think even the way the commentators sell it compared to WWF like you'd have King cracking jokes about them uh-huh, yeah. and almost as if they're also um, on the outside looking in like us as opposed to the the way that the WCW commentators are selling it, it's just the same as a normal match Yeah and I think they quite often I assume they did it here they bring Mike Tenay out for these 
because he was probably in the seat in place of Bobby Heenan because he is quite good at you know having a bit of knowledge and describing the moves and things like that. So I have a feeling Heenan maybe comes out after this match finishes. Ah, are you okay. Um, and Tenay goes back and you know we'll see him later but that's that's another story <laughs> cool um, so some of the things that, that jumped out for me I, I think I knew this already but Juventud Guerrero is amazing in the ring yeah um, who else I, I wrote this Silver King guy is absolutely incredible like these are quite big guys some of the stuff they're doing is unbelievable yeah, the the agility is amazing for for the size of the guys. It's it's really impressive. Um, we got Chavo Guerrero eventually hitting an unbelievably brutal tornado DDT uh-huh. um, to win this match. But clearly, the highlight of the match comes at the end. Would you agree? Or do, mm. do, do you not know where I'm going? Nah. Nah. So so Chavo hits his 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 uh, brutal tornado DDT to win. Yeah. And um so what what team is he on? He's on yeah, so he's he's, he, he's in the team of Hoventood Super, yes. Super Carlo yeah. and Mazark Henry. What did you say? El El Lizark, did you say? Liz Lizmark Jr. <laughs> Lizmark that's that's I've just butchered that man's <laughs> name. Lizmark Jr. Um so our resident chairman La Parca uh, is not interested in this at all. Smashes the other yeah. team with the chair and then does his little yes. strut thing, which is absolutely awesome, and <laughs> then turns the chair on the rest of his team. Yes, as well. Yeah. So is this why? Is this part of the reason why La Parca is now your favourite wrestler? Uh, one. He's wrestling, essentially wrestling in his jammies. Yeah. Two, the strut thing. Mm-hmm. Three, he's good in the ring. Yeah. And four, yeah, he just, he's like comically, like if this was Stone Cold taking everybody out with a chair, you'd be like, whoa, he's, he's nuts, he's <laughs> crazy. He's just comically taking everybody. It's like it's fun and everybody's having a great time. Yeah. I want to see him in the main event against Hogan. <laughs> No selling everything. You, you never know. I mean, we've a few more events to watch. So. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> La Parca v Hogan. So yeah, a fun way to start the, the pay per view. I was hooked. Yep. Um, you'd watched this pay per view before me and uh, made me let me know in no uncertain terms that you had an opinion about it. So I went in with low expectations, but then I seen this as they was he talking about. This is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that that was a good match, and it. I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got everyone up and ready for the show. Um, really good entertainment. It's it's the right kind of match to be on first. Mm-hmm. I think um, you're not too bogged down in the storyline about it. It's just entertainment, really. Yeah. Um, and it, it was good. And you know, some of these guys I've seen quite a few times, but I, some of them probably not at all really um, so it was really good to see some of them perform good fun yeah totally agree um, our next match uh, was Raven with his flock at ringside against Chris Benoit who again like we said earlier is a big fan favourite gets a big pop um, so I've got an issue with this match Adam ok um, 
Raven comes out of the ring and then they make an announcement that the flock are banned from ringside. Yeah. This is before Benoit gets out, I think. Yeah. Then as Benoit's walking out, they say, for this anything goes match. Yeah. How can it be an anything goes match if you've banned people from... Yeah, th- there's a few things here. So they, they initially describe it as a Raven's rules match. <laughs> And then it becomes pretty clear that that just means, uh, you know, no holds barred, no no rules, basically. And then that, in turn, somehow seems to mean that a ref can just banish Raven's flock from ringside, which really doesn't make any sense, because if that is a Raven's rules match, he's really screwed himself. Yeah, he needs to review those rules. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but apart from that, it's a good match. Yeah. What do you think of I enjoyed it and it's a good story um, going on between the two. Uh, Raven is being Raven, like you, you mentioned at times, looking really like almost nonchalant about it all. Um, but once you know he's in the ring and he's attacking somebody, he's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, Benoit is, you know, the ridiculously technically proficient guy that he is. Um, they're talking, the, the commentators are talking them both up to at least some extent. I think particularly Benoit and mm-hmm. his skill set. Um, and I thought it, it felt like it fell in the middle of quite a good feud between the two. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a very back and forward match. We had like the classic heel, heel dictates the pace to start off with and, mm-hmm. and Raven was beating him down, but then... Um, Benoit at one point it just switched and Benoit took over and he just started pummeling Raven <laughs> um, it's no it's nothing new to us to see Benoit doing that but it just yeah it's just incredible to watch him go in the ring it's a little bit the same as well with um, with what you mentioned about Eddie it's quite noticeable he's not a tall guy but it's quite noticeable how much smaller he is physically Benoit yeah, yeah. at this point and he looks so young as well and he, you know he will have been compared to when we saw him in WWE a few years later but um, quite a, a physical transformation both those guys ended up going through yeah it really is um, kind of yeah a kind of brutal finish here we get I think Benoit puts a chair onto to Raven's face and mm-hmm. stamps on it. Yeah. To start off with, then he decides to do his flying headbutt yep. onto a steel chair, yep. which is never a good idea, Chris. If you're listening, mm. no, 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 no. no. Um, yeah, flying headbutt onto the chair. Both seem to be out. Then from nowhere, Raven hits his DDT. Yeah. Um, so we're going back and forward. Eventually, Raven goes into the cross face. They're kind of doing the McFoley thing where he's smiling, he's smiling. I don't know <laughs> if he was smiling, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> kind of hard to smile when someone's got their hands grappled around your chin. Uh-huh. Um, I, I did. I was kind of scratching my head at the referee lifting his arm as if he's. I, yeah. I don't think that would knock you out either. It was pretty strange. I could see what they were going for, um, because obviously they wanted they wanted it to seem like you know Raven's uh, a little bit crazy and he's enjoying the pain, mm-hmm. like, as you say they they did with the McFoley segments so often. Um, and I, don't get me wrong, I think that does play quite well into his character. But yeah, there wasn't 
an awful lot of logic in some bits of it. No, a different a different submission would have worked anyway. It's picking holes. Um, Raven goes out. The flock come out to try and beat down Benoit and the man with a thousand holds, uh, the greatest Texan Texas clover leaf in the world. Um, Di Malenko comes out and and helps him out. They stare down each other and leave. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the dynamic was meant to have been between the two, uh, Malenko and Benoit, because I think we, being WWF guys from back in the, the day, were used to seeing them associated with each other. Uh-huh. Um, so I wasn't sure if this was brand new or if they'd previously had a, uh, a tandem that had been disrupted in some way and that was just a little bit of it reforming. Um, not too sure, but... Yeah. Um, it, just knowing the history of the two, it made sense that he, to me, that he would be somebody that would come out and, and help. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if Perry Saturn actually came out with the flock. Perry Saturn seems to be in the flock, but doesn't always come out with them. Maybe he wasn't out at that point. Um, yeah. But he looks odd with hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny it seeing him. Yeah. Uh, so that's quite a good match. Um, yeah. Like putting the finish to one side, it was a good back and forward match, and um, it doesn't veer wildly into like trying to be um, extreme or outrageous for you know mm. like t- just to be just to be extreme or outrageous. I think anything yeah. they do using the ch- uh, the stairs or the chair or whatever it all works. So um, mm. good match for me. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it as well, and it's two performers that. I- I liked watching um, and I, I remember always wishing that they did a bit more with Raven's Flock because I think the possibilities were there for that to be huge um, and you know Benoit's capable of having a, a good match against anyone and also I think he was always pretty believable as someone who you know could hold his own against anyone um, mm-hmm. so yeah I thought, thought it was a a good rivalry I've no idea if it goes on from here it seems like it, it would naturally um, so we'll see but I, I like the matchup between the two cool um, next up we've got a cruiserweight match up for the cruiserweight championship uh, to yeah. WWE legends Chris Jericho who at this point is uh, the Lionheart Chris Jericho and yeah. Rey Mysterio Jr., who looks... It sounds ridiculous, he's got a mask over his face, but he looks ridiculously young. Yeah. Like, really I, young. I, I don't know what um, what age he would have been. Let me just... I'm just going to look. Uh, he's, he's like 23 here. Is he? Yeah. But, yeah, he could... Again, saying it when he's wearing a mask, but... You would believe it if somebody said he was like seventeen or something. Totally. Like that. I don't know if it's yeah. just his physique or what, but yeah, he just he looks really young. Yeah. Um, like this, this feels a bit. At, at the time watching this live, this would have been a great match, but I think, you know, what are we over twenty years on? We've probably seen this match about a million times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. For me, I, I mean, I enjoyed it while I was watching it, and I, I, I always enjoy seeing Jericho. Um, I think he always brings something. Um, I, I did quite like the the character that he was being. Um, he's one of these heels that seems to have deluded himself into thinking that the crowd all love him. He's a and, fan favorite. Yeah, and I, I think he, he plays it well. Um, 
Yeah, so it's it's really it was the end of the match that grabbed me really, to be honest. So yeah, so it's, it's something I did want to just before we jump into the end there. Um, there's a there's a couple of things. Jericho working with the Jericho working with the cruiserweights gives him the opportunity to perform a lot of his moves that are uh, really impressive looking moves that he, that he wouldn't get away with performing if he was up further up the card. Yeah. Um, he works really well with like the smaller guys. Um, the other thing, there's a point where he on they're they're both on the outside and he sets up the stairs and he he runs along, jumps off the the steps, and hits Mysterio with the most ridiculous elbow. It looked really really like like it really really hurt, but um, maybe maybe Mysterio just sold it that way. But mm-hmm. it looked like Jericho's going into business for himself, as they say. Like he was taking him out anyway. Um, yeah, I go j- jump it, jump into the finish here. Yeah. Um, so we've we've got Jericho winning by submission. Um, I can't I can't remember what they were referring to the hold as at the time. Line tamer. Line tamer. Uh, yep. Yeah. So um, th- there is some good interaction between the two. You know, Ray's jumping and bumping and things like that. <laughs> um, and as you say, it does let Jericho kind of play. He's almost playing the, the the big man in the match, which he, he has to because yeah. he's you know quite a bit bigger than Mysterio, but it, it makes him look quite brutal in a lot of the offense that he shows. Um, but I did enjoy when uh, Jericho takes the mic after getting the win, um, and he, he he talks to the crowd about you know how this is great, but the most important thing for him is that you all love me, and uh, <laughs> he's he's really selling it, and he's you know you then hear the booze and his expression changes, and he just starts brutally attacking Ray um, as like a, a a reaction to this crowd hatred that he's experiencing. But what I really enjoyed about it, because, you know, someone attacking someone after a match isn't extraordinary, certainly on this card. But WCW. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's playing like uh, he, he just lost control for a second because he's, he's like backing off after saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> as, you know, Ray is properly selling the speed <laughs> down that he's had. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I just thought this is, you know, it's early stages of seeing Jericho the character um, and he's just adding something to it uh-huh. something to what uh, could be a pretty bland mundane story but he's just got this character arc going through it which I, I enjoyed I just thought it's we've seen versions of it get uh, done by others and we've seen versions of it that are a little bit further along than that mm-hmm. uh, people snapping and losing control and things but um, I, I enjoyed Jericho's version of that yeah, me too. Um, and 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 you know things that we've heard in podcasts and interviews recently. Um, it sounds like a lot of this was basically Jericho coming up with this sort of character himself, yeah. Um, yeah. and he was basically, you know, he could do whatever he wanted on on TV, not because he was so over or anything like that, but basically because it sounded like the didn't really give too much direction as far as the mm-hmm. the further down the card guys were concerned. Yeah, I think I think I've heard Bischoff say a few times on podcasts and interviews and things like that that um, their their focus was the top of the card mm-hmm. guys, um, and he, he I've, I'm sure I've heard him say several times about Jericho in particular. I would love to take credit for that, but that was just his idea, and he just went with it, you know. Um, wow, and he's he's obviously. To be honest, I, I think 
um, Bischoff is so kind of dismissive of the low card guys at the time that he, he's just fine with it. He's doing what he wants. That's fine. It's not causing any problems. Um, so he's he's basically able to do what he wants mm-hmm. at that point um, within you know limits. I'm sure you know he's he's probably not supposed to be doing things like uh, calling out Goldberg, which he <laughs> does far far further down the line. But uh, when it's just somebody like Mysterio and he's just doing his thing, I think um, nobody. To be honest, they're probably not even noticing, but mm-hmm. it was good for for entertainment purposes. Absolutely, um, and then on the nitro after, he, he comes out in a Mysterio shirt, um, and he starts talking about how how bad he feels about Mysterio. Can't wait to see him back in the ring and all this sort of stuff. So he's doing he's he's continuing with the gimmick, nice. um, which works. Uh, okay, next up we've got <laughs> we've got. Um, Mean Gene Okerlund in the ring and he brings out JJ Dillon. JJ um, yeah. Dillon is the chairman of the <laughs> chairman of the committee of s- something of yeah. the people that run WCW. He's, he's the figurehead. JJ um, yeah. Dillon then brings out Roddy Piper because JJ Dillon and this faceless committee can't make a decision so in times when they can't make a decision they ask Roddy Piper yeah this was terrible I, I didn't like I was thinking so JJ Dillon's the authority figure but doesn't have authority or won't use the he's, authority he's an indecisive <laughs> authority figure yeah so, uh, the but, whole thing felt like an excuse to get Roddy Piper on the show um, he's not exactly the most level-headed, independent adjudicator <laughs> that you could get. The man's off his rocker. Especially when Hogan's involved. And he's <laughs> had this, you know, lifelong feud with Hogan. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. This, the segment, I just thought, was pretty badly done. Um, and you, you end up with Hogan and Sting in the ring, who were uh, the the people involved in the previous title match with the controversy, mm. and you've also got Scott Hall in there, who is due a title shot, yep. and it kind of they, they play up the angle that once the decision's made by Piper after he sort of fakes the fact that he's just going to hand the belt to Hogan briefly, um, he, he then makes the decision that Hogan and Sting should meet in a match at the next pay-per-view, which I assume then means that uh, Scott Hall is going to get his shot at some point down the line, but it seemed he very much wanted it next. Yeah. Uh, he felt like he should have been involved. And again, I think this is playing up another crack in the NWO between Hall and Hogan yep. here. Um, Hogan must have, they referenced it a few times, he must have delivered some sort of promo indicating that everyone in the NWO has a position. So you're either top or you're, you know, somewhere in like a ranking system in the NWO. And he, he very much must put it across that he's top and Hall is somewhere a bit lower. Um, and Hall, this almost seems like him realising I'm wasting my time, you know, I'm, I'm, I should walk away because I'm not getting anywhere type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's fine. They, they put that sort of element of doubt about whether can, you know, can Hall be trusted when it comes to Hogan and other NWO members. But I just thought the whole segment was pretty bad. Yeah, me too. 
Wait, it, it was a, a nitro segment, basically. Yeah. I don't know if it was just yeah. if if Piper was contracted, he had to, it had to be in the pay per view. But I, yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um, but it got us to a point of we can now look forward to Sting and Hogan um, at the next pay per view. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got the TV title on the line. Um, the seeds were sown for this on Nitro when Rick Martel came out to help Booker T fend off someone. Yeah, he was basically... Yeah. Was he being double-teamed after uh, his... Uh, I've, not, I've not put enough in my notes about this, but um, when he when he retained his title, he was beat down after his match. Yeah, I think Perry was, Saturn maybe came in the ring, tried to beat him yeah, down. Yeah, I think it? that's right. And uh, this was, I believe, in the ring at the end, Booker T and Martel had a bit of an interaction where, you know, Martel kind of asked for a title shot and given the fact he'd come out and helped him, he'd done the honourable thing, Booker T grants it. Um, so the the match is uh, happening pretty much straight away. Um, you could you could say he's got more power than JJ Dillon if he can just you, book, you could book yeah. a match like that. But. Yeah, or certainly more decisive. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyson fears Booker T. Great yep. sign in the crowd. Did you see that? Yeah, saw that one. Yep, I like that. Um, I've written here. I am not objectifying anyone, but Martel's ass is huge. And then. Tony Giovanni says Martel's never looked better wow. uh, so I assume that he is a fan of a certain type of voluptuousness yeah um, something that was I'm not going to comment much on this match <laughs> I thought it went on for far too long uh, yeah. the crowd were really really low for this um, I don't think they were into it at all Um but yeah, something that they kept talking about was Martel's snapped his temper. He's got such a short temper. And I'm like, what? The man yeah. sprays perfume and flamboyantly and it, dances about. It also didn't really seem like he had snapped <laughs> in the match. But never mind. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. And he, he never felt, you know, we talked about him seeming a little bit out of place uh-huh. before. And this just didn't seem like a match that should be a thing. Or certainly not on a pay per view. No, nah. um, felt weird. And it, yeah, it should have been. It possibly, it possibly should have just been a squash, um, yeah. or something like that. But yeah, whatever. They're, they're, it's the f- third longest match on the card. Is it really? Yeah. They're building the story of Booker T being a fighting champion. So yeah, I think we're going to see this every every nitro, every pay per view that. That Booker, as long as he's champion, he's going to be fighting someone and yeah, uh, giving people sh- shots at title. Um, after the match, Perry Saturn attacks Rick Martel for reasons, um, and let's chalk that up as the fourth match in a row where someone gets attacked after the match. Yeah, yeah. This was we were watching these. Uh, I'd watched and you were watching and. Uh, I don't think I'd realised just how many consecutive matches this happened at the end of until you pointed it out and I thought ah, yeah and then it, it kind of keeps happening keeps going eh? yeah um, okay our next match um, possibly one of my favourites on the card um, we had Scott Hall with his like his his little 
yeah, like someone he's taken under his wing, Louis Spicoli. Yeah, young Louis um, Spicoli refers to him a nitro. I don't know how young he is. Yeah, he was. I think um, quite highly thought of, but had a lot of vicious. I think um, <laughs> he's hanging about he's, with Scott Hall. <laughs> yeah, I know he'd been um, he'd been in ECW for for a stint, um, and he was apparently a really nice bloke, really funny bloke. But I think he he was struggling with some demons, as they say. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that... Because I'd, I don't really remember him in ring very much. Um, I know he was associated with NWO at various times, but it's one of those where I see him and think, oh, yeah, it's that guy, but I, c- I couldn't tell you a match that he's in, right. really. Uh, they seem to be playing it off like he's this young guy that wants to be in the NWO and he needs to kind of prove himself. Yeah. Um, so he's hanging about with Scott Hall and Scott Hall's giving him a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got legend Larry Zabisco and uh, the American Dream comes off the commentary table to to stand in his corner. Yeah. Um, Dusty being all that sort of embodies WCW. Uh, he's got the WCW hat on um, and yeah. He's in Larry's corner backing him up. Um, like I've said, like I mentioned, I really enjoyed this. I think in spite of what I expected, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. What do you it's, think of it? I, I enjoyed the match. Um, I remember, this is maybe unfortunate because it might have shocked me, but the, the turn that happens mid-match, I basically as soon as I realised this match was on the card I thought oh yeah that's when this happens and I wish I hadn't because you know it's probably more fun if you don't remember things like that going in Um, but yeah it's it's quite a in terms of the actual match it's quite a sort of old school style yeah yeah, Um, exactly and I thought they they meshed pretty well together Um, I mean given I don't know what age Zabisco would have been at this point but um, I thought Hall got a, a very good match out of him actually Yeah, totally agree um, Hall was selling amazing and it's something he always did he's yeah. always really good at selling but I think he was selling uh, everything that Zabisco was bringing really well mm-hmm. um, there's there's probably not that, a lot of action to talk through it, it, it moves quite slowly um, yep. there's a lot of walking around each other and sizing each other up sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um, which comes to a a kind of um, uh, moves much faster Spicoli gets in the ring starts getting involved Um, so Dusty comes in and starts doing his uh, American Dream sort of dancey stuff Mm -hmm. Um, he elbows up Spicoli he then tries to go for Hall inadvertently hits Zabisco um, at this point Hall starts like doing his shaking his hands and doing the the, the double pointing point thing in. and yeah. I had I knew that um, I knew that Dusty joined the NWO but I didn't know it was here I didn't know that what was happening I, I have to admit to being properly shocked here I, I liked the, the twist of Dusty taking off his shirt and having the NWO um, yeah. shirt on so yeah We've got Dusty joins NWO and I th- well, do they just beat him down? They beat down Sabisco. Yeah, the three that? of them end up beating him down. Um, I was thinking poor um, poor Louis, 
because he's taking all those elbows but obviously <laughs> he, he knows what's coming he'll be in on it he just has to take them and uh, roll out of the ring but yeah I think when you think of like you mentioned earlier when you think of WCW guys um, Dusty would be up there as a, a mainstay mm-hmm. in the eyes of most I know he had a a stint in WWE but I think everyone thinks of him as w, uh, WCW guy I think um, he was head booker at WCW for a long time wasn't he? Yeah I think various points I think he did it two or three times um, and the the sort of some of the early stuff I've watched on the network he's in the title picture with the likes of Flair um, and you, you do in the same way that you associate Flair as WCW guy I think you do with Dusty so mm-hmm. he was one of the probably the more emotional ones they could have got to, to try and generate that kind of reaction um, from a crowd, obviously from Tony Schiavone, who takes things very badly. Um, <laughs> they, they reference uh, a few times, I think he's, he's walked away from the announce desk at a point and they reference the fact that he was his mentor, he was the guy that got him involved in wrestling um, even in the days before there was a WCW, he mm-hmm got him to, to try out as an announcer and all that kind of thing he basically gave him a job by the sounds of it and he feels so betrayed by this turn and he I think uh, Bobby Heenan does a really good job of kind of winding him up about that <laughs> even though he's also playing a pro WCW and yeah. NWO guy it's he, it's like he can't help himself because he realises how much it's affecting Shivani. he just keeps kind of picking at it yeah, he then's funny at this point in time because he, like you say, he's pro WCW and against the NWO, but you think of him as a kind of as a heel common commentator. It's quite yeah. a funny dynamic that's going on. But like you say, he he keeps bringing it up and mm-hmm. um, picking away. At it. It's quite funny. Yeah, but it's well done, well done, and like yeah, like I said him a few times, quite an enjoyable match that that looked mm-hmm. like it was going to. I, I, I just I couldn't really I couldn't see the point of it mm-hmm. um, but it's quite a good use of Scott Hall given that they're saying that he's number one contender so um, yeah. to give him something to do in between the, the, there's this feud that, that, that works and, the, and you get obviously a, a storyline progression with Dusty Rhodes so aye, it's good yep. uh, oh dear ok so, uh, next match is a six man tag We've got our boy Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, and Conan, yep. um, representing the NWO, who have got amazing music, which I assume is dubbed over. Do you think yeah, it is? Yeah, I, I noticed because um, there's a few that are dubbed over on and the show. Jericho's it was obviously dubbed over because it's his yeah. WWF music. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it was. I'm not totally sure, but I think it was. I really hope it isn't. It's like this kind of country <laughs> song, but just with like the odd NWO over yeah, top hopefully it. it. Hopefully it was what played out to the crowd. But, yeah. um, we've got M3 representing NWO against the Steiner brothers and Big Ray Trailer. Yeah, boss man. No, yeah. this is Ray Trailer. Looks like he fucking got dressed in a trailer. What is what? that? What is this man wearing? <laughs> a t shirt with arms cut off it, tucked in to really high waisted leather trousers. Come on, Ray Trailer. You don't it, think that, that looks working for him? No. You know what? I thought 
but as soon as I saw him, because I don't think he was on the Nitro, you, you know when your mate's got a new girlfriend and he starts dressing completely differently <laughs> and wearing like really weird clothes. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. It looks like he's got a new bird. And she said, you know, you'd look really good in these. He looked ridiculous. Amazing. Not a good look for you, Ray Trailer. He's definitely not listening to the podcast. Sorry, boss man. No. My bad. Yeah. yeah. He was one of my favourites as a kid. No, it's Ray Trailer, I must admit. <laughs> Big Ray Trailer. <laughs> yeah, he kind of came from nowhere. They kind of stuck him in. Um, to progress this Steiner's uh, storyline yeah. that you've got going on. Um, I think at the, during this match, Rick Steiner... Does Rick Steiner start this match? Yeah. He basically he, takes an absolute pummeling. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they keep referencing the fact that I think we saw it on, um, on the Nitro that when Scott starts, he never tags out. Uh-huh. So um, Rick starts this match and then... He doesn't want to tag Scott. He wants to t- t- tag Ray Trailer um, because they, they basically realise they're not going to be in the match if Scott gets in. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's another step along for the Scott and Rick storyline mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the the break that that we all know is coming. And they're you know they're laying it on pretty thick. They're making it pretty obvious what's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think this was. Probably the the first time I would have noticed a a transformation in Scott in terms of the physical, because mm-hmm. he's he's his looks starting to change. He's not quite got the you know the blonde hair yet and the 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 goatee beard, but he's he's on his way mm-hmm. to the the look he had when when he uh, became a single star. Yeah, like you said, we're we're on our way to big pop a pump. It's just a matter of yeah. time. Um, He's got those muscles that when he tenses look like pyramids. They're so odd looking, aren't they? It's weird. It's really weird. Um, and th- there's a point in this match that Scott's trying to get in so desperately that him and Big Ray Trailer actually stood at the same side of the turnbuckle. Uh-huh. And they're arguing and Ray Trailer's shouting back at him, look at my awesome fitting shirt, mate. <laughs> but... Um, I've not written down how this match ended. I think it ends up in... Does Scott Steiner end up going mad? Yeah, so Scott gets in and basically destroys everyone, um, wins the match, and then you've again got another weird interaction between him and Buff Bagwell doing their face and then looking at <laughs> each other. Smiling each other. Yeah, and, and Bagwell's <laughs> like, he's not looking at all phased by the fact they've just lost the match. Uh, and he's just he's just doing his uh, flexing and, and looking at Scott. It's uh, yeah. weird. That yeah. I'm sure we've spoke about it before. Um, I think it might have been something that that Pat mentioned to to us. But that Steiner screwdriver, uh huh, that's a movie. Yeah, that's it's, terrifying. It's scary looking. It, it, yeah, <laughs> you is? you just wouldn't want to be taking that move. Not at all. Um, just a quick note. I really like. I don't know how you how do you feel about Conan. I really like him. Yeah, I liked Conan. Uh, he never. I don't remember him ever getting a massively prominent role, although there may be his own sort of element of the NWO he ends up kind of leading, I think, to some extent moving forward. But um, he he could go in the ring. Um, And I think he he has a reputation as a good talker as well. He maybe just, you know, there's so many guys 
uh, especially in the NWO that would want the mic that I don't yeah, know what opportunity he's chance. got um, but yeah I, th- I always thought he was a really good performer and a good character as well yeah same so it all leads to here oh no the next match is the battle of the big guys we've yeah. got big sexy giant killer Kevin Nash he asks to be referred as that on the Nitro afterwards no longer <laughs> called Kevin Nash I'm the big sexy giant killer uh, versus the giant yeah yeah I, I, I mean do you know I'll, I'll just mention a couple of things before we get where we're going to have to go here <laughs> I, Nash is huge uh-huh. and like we know how big the giant is but Nash is right there mm-hmm. he's, he's massive um, he's not got the same you know bulk and things like that as, as uh, the giant but he's incredibly tall and he I is. think I, I kind of forget that at times just how big he was but um, there's points like where the, there's you know trying to deliver a boot and things like that and he's getting his boot almost all the way up there yeah. um, and you know for for two giants to be able to go toe to toe they are kind of almost the physical equal of each other um, but yeah this this match goes scary so, yeah so again before we go there um, some th- this this was I, I didn't mind this match um, for what it was you, you know what you're getting with two big men like this mm-hmm. and there could be many people look forward to a big show match but there's some good stuff in here it's crazy seeing somebody pick up Nash the way that the the big show that the giant is doing mm-hmm. he's picking him up and sort of side suplexing him and stuff and it's just it's really odd to see yeah um, there's a good bit where they both go for a good bit there's a bit where they both go for a double they both go for the big boot and kind of do like the classic Rocky uh-huh. uh, Apollo and you know like they knock each other out that's quite good yeah. Yeah. Um, wh- what about when, when Nash leapfrogs the top rope yeah uh, what is that and I've, I've never because <laughs> you don't think of him as an agile guy <laughs> he's, he's not an agile guy um, yeah it, like you say they are doing some things in there that you maybe wouldn't associate in a big man match but they're both big men mm-hmm. it's um, yeah. Uh, again I'm similar to you I thought this was a decent match because mm-hmm. my expectations were pretty low um, when I, I knew who it was going to be and I thought well when's the beatdown come in you know when's the interference or whatever because uh, that's what you expect in this but um, I thought they matched up pretty well yeah um, and the beatdown comes Hogan comes to the ring um, he or somebody um, distracts the referee Hogan hits Giant with a uh, with a chair shot uh, at some point Kevin Nash brings in a pot of scalding hot coffee <laughs> and according to the brain you can see the steam coming off it yeah he really sells that yeah, he said that before they showed the slow motion replay <laughs> he should have thought about that one <laughs> so so Nash throws uh, scalding hot coffee in the giant's face and then and then if you've never seen this match it's worth watching simply for the end where yeah Kevin Nash pops 
um, the giant's head between his legs and I've literally written down here please do not try to jack jackknife him oh for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah so my notes say he was probably two inches away from killing the giant <laughs> uh, like I I saw this happen and then I actually despite the fact I should have known there would be a replay I actually went back to, to see it again. again because I know he's alive so I know he's fine and I thought was that as bad as it looked as I first watched it and then I looked again and thought yes it was that could have been incredibly serious he's so lucky uh huh he's so lucky so so Nash goes for the jackknife and it looks to me layman that I am it looks to me like Giant does all the right things mm-hmm. like he I think he does his his side of it but Nash mm-hmm. just seems to give up Yeah, I he gets him up so far and then yeah I didn't know if he was slipping a little bit and then right. I thought with, with the coffee or whatever <laughs> it was that they threw on that clearly would have been cold um, I didn't know if he just like the grip was lost a little bit or something like that because it looked like the release he wasn't ready for the release, Mm-mm. you know, and then the he was so close to just landing fully on his head, um, and with the weight, of Aye, the exactly. Giant, uh, oh, it was it was horrible to watch. Yet for some reason, I watched it twice, and then the <laughs> replay. Um, and they showed it a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, the way that he lands, he, he's basically folded in half when he lands. He's uh-huh. like you say, he's got the weight of his hips, his legs come flying down and Nash almost lands on top of him as well uh-huh. he takes everything on his neck um, I don't know what the extent of his injuries were um, but this was probably the worst thing I've ever seen in a match as far as injuries that weren't supposed to happen yeah. uh, it, it looked horrendous and that includes um, what's his name, Vader popping his eye out and oh. that thing that happened to Sid Said oh. Justice slash Sid Vicious when he jumped off a second rope. Oh. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on YouTube. Um, yeah, there's a whole compilation if anyone's looking for that. <laughs> there is. Uh, I'm sure one drunken night we've sat and, wa- sat and watched yeah. through them. Uh, yeah, seemed fine at the time. I did, uh, when you're young and don't really think about it. Um, this was horrendous. Uh, the, the thing is... Uh, he's obviously fine and like you say you know he's alive and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff but the night after they're playing it up and they show it um, they show the replay a million times in slow motion Uh, Nash is like saying that he meant to do it and they have all these different superstars um, commenting on it saying they can't believe that that the NWO would go to these lengths and all that sort of thing so they've they've jumped on it and, and used it um, to their advantage, I suppose, but it's mm-hmm. just shocking to see. It really is. Yeah. Do you, do you remember how the match actually finished? Is it a disqualification? Does or he? Did he pin him? I think he pins him after the power bomb, because um, obviously they've had the distraction and all that, which does the bit to keep the giant strong in a sense that he didn't lose fairly. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a pin from the pa- from the jackknife. Okay, yeah. it's probably about the first clean finish there's been on this card. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 
Go out your way to watch that. Kevin Nash for the Giant sold out 98. Unbelievable. Hey, so after that, I think at this point, or maybe after the next match, we get told that this is a triple main event. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our first of the three, or our second uh, of the three main events. It's Ric Flair versus Bret the Hitman Hart, who's making his pay-per-view debut for WCW. Yeah. Um, again, very similar to what I said about Jericho versus Rey Mysterio. We've seen this match probably a million times. I enjoyed it. Um, but both guys have got things that they do every match. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you could probably have written a script for this match for everything that happened in it. Um, yeah. That makes me sound like I'm moaning about it. I enjoyed it. Um, but Flair needs to take the back, big back body drop. Flair needs to eye poke and... Um, Brett probably needs to dictate the pace and, and uh, to to focus on, on one area of the body to work mm-hmm. on. Um, Brett needs to be thrown chest first in the turnbuckle, which I was never, ever a fan of. Always looked horrible <laughs> to me. Uh, yeah. Well, how, how did you see it? Yeah, similar. And I, I think it's odd, or it's strange in a way, because... I know that Bret Hart has, you know, gone on the offensive a little bit against Flair by saying that he he basically had the same match over and over again. Uh, but really? Like you say, yeah, yeah. And know. apparently they've they've smoothed things a bit now, but I think there was quite a bit of bit of heat between them at various points. Um, and you know, Flair I think is quite rightly bit back and said, "Well, you know, so do you." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the thing that I've heard Flair admit is that by even by this time he's long past his best, and he has a view in his mind of what fans want to see from him. So he tries to do those things, um, and it's it's a case of here's a guy who used to you know wrestle hour long matches that probably were quite varied back in the day, but. Now, when he's in there, he is just going through his routine um, because he, he fully believes that's what people want to see mm. from him. Um, I thought it was okay. I think um, I think in, in a way they match up well together, but in a, in a different way, I just didn't really have that much interest in seeing this match. No. Um, I think for... Which is crazy because it's Bret Hart v Ric Flair. Uh-huh. Um, I think for Hart to come in and have this being his his first pay-per-view match, that's fine. It's up against an established WCW guy. Um, He does come in with the best there is, best there was reputation. And here's a guy opposite him who legitimately could be referred to as one of the best ever. So that's fine. I didn't think it was (laughs) the hottest type of Mm storyline that he could have been put into against him. It seems to be about respect. And again... That's fine. It just didn't grab me. None of it really grabbed me. Yeah, there's probably you and I could probably record like a six-hour podcast on all the different options that the that the things that they could have done with Bret Hart when he came into yeah. WCW, and we wouldn't have come up with them feuding with Ric Flair over who's the best wrestler. Nah, um, I'm not sure if this was like a kind of a one and done type situation. If they both kind of move on after this. Well, Bret gets the. The clean win, 
he yeah. slaps on the sharpshooter and flare taps so you would think so yeah um, it doesn't really lend itself to being open to more but who knows yeah. well and I think again you know the finish is it's the right thing to do I think to put over Brett mm-hmm. Green because mm-hmm. he's again fairly new in the company and you can kind of go anywhere with him he could either align himself with NWO realistically or he could oppose them realistically um, there's plenty of options out there whereas Flair I think is beyond being a main protagonist in any of those type of storylines so um, it's 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 the right kind of finish for me yeah same and yeah if it does close it off then it leaves the door open to something completely new for Bret Hart yeah. I just think you're bringing in the WWF champion under th- the most uh, controversial circumstances in modern wrestling mm-hmm. um, stick him right up front in your in your title picture somewhere yeah. um, and have his face on everything but yeah. what, what was it Vince apparently said to Brett all those years ago the uh, WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart mm-hmm. I think it was true. Aye. Uh, like, the, the night after we see British Bulldog coming out in in such a... Uh, yeah, there's, like, no fanfare at all. This is his first... I think this is his first ever appearance on, on WCW TV and he just appears randomly on Nitro and challenges um, Mungo McMichael to a match. Okay. It's just really odd. Uh, you've got you, you wouldn't have known it, but we've got Jim Neidhart's in WCW at this time as well. Yeah. Um, you've got an opportunity to similar to what you're saying with Raven and Raven's flock. You have got that opportunity to to give Bret Hart back in as well and make him mm-hmm. look like Bret Hart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Bret Hart. Stuff I, I loved him as a kid when he first you know became singles and he had the intercontinental runs and all that. I, I, I was fully behind that. But one of my favourite versions of him ever was right towards the end of his WWE days when he had the um, when he had Nightheart, he had Bulldog, he had Owen, and he had Pillman mm-hmm. around him as this sort of expanded heart foundation. He's the leader. Um, he's obviously up against Michaels for, for a lot of this, but his stuff up against Stone Cold mm-hmm. as well. I thought that was the time he was delivering his best promos. He seemed most sort of confident in a heel persona, uh, apart from in Canada, obviously. But um, it seemed like when he had that backing of that group, he could be the man mm-hmm. in that scenario. Whereas when he's on his own, I don't know if it was a confidence thing or if, again... Maybe they just didn't have the storylines for him in WCW. Nobody could think of where to go with it. Yeah, I, I just think you've got. We're, we're going to come on to speak about Lex Luger versus Macho Man here as the main main event. But I just mm. think you've got guys at the top of the card that are nothing like half the wrestler at Bret Hart is mm-hmm. Lex Luger yeah. in particular. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just so odd, and, and it's, it's obviously all about the NWO. Yeah. But I don't know. You could put him in somewhere. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah, Brett goes over Flair with a sharpshooter. Um yep. and we are now treated to Michael Buffer, who seems to pop up every now and again on these WCW pay per views, mm-hmm. um, to announce for the main event, which I I guess they, they are kinda going for like a big 
big main event type feel yeah. um, it doesn't really do it for me <laughs> I have to say it, it just feels a bit odd yeah. um, but we've got Macho Man representing the NWO and he's got his own little NWO music that's got ooh yeah and all that sort of stuff <laughs> going on it it's quite liked yep. um, and then we've got Luger who they seem to be placing as I think him and Sting as being like kind of WCW's big hope as yeah. far as taking down the NWO. Uh, we've talked about Lex Luger on here before. Um, to me, in WCW at this point, he lacks any sort of personality, and yeah. he's just kind of like a smiling. I'm I'm a face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's nothing else really about him. Uh, it doesn't do it for me at all. Yeah, I've always been a big Savage fan, um, and he's in terms of like character, he was always one of my favourites. Um, he had that wild side feel mm-hmm. to him, yep. that kind of unpredictability. Yeah, uh, he could put together excellent matches in the ring. He could be babyface or heel. You know, even without without even changing his style or his personality that much, he, he could just kind of switch. Yeah. Um, I'm similar to you with Luger. He he never interested me. I remember, um, I think right this. I don't know if this might the couple of years age gap between us might uh, make a difference here. But if you remember when WCW used to have a program on ITV late at night, um, can't remember what day of the week, but it was kind of my first introduction to WCW stuff before. <coughs> Before Nitro was a thing, actually. It was this Blue Ropes, Blue... Yeah, Aye. yeah. And I got to know some of the characters on that. And I remember like seeing the likes of Luger and thinking, he's massive. But even then, it didn't feel like he had personality. And I would see sort of a contrast of guys like Brian Pillman, and this is long before he was loose cannon or anything like that. And he seemed to have something, like mm. charisma, mm-hmm. just, you know, something a bit more to him. Um, and then when WWE brought Luger in and initially went with the narcissist heel gimmick and then went for the, you know, flag waving, let's try and Kissing make him babies. The new, uh, yeah, let's try and make him the new Hogan type thing and it, it didn't work at all because mm-hmm. he, he didn't have that personality, that charisma, that he, he, he couldn't talk, any of that. Um, and he, he seemed like a guy who for so much of his career was up near the top of the card and I assume it was all based on the look it has to be yeah he can pick those big guys up he does that torture rack and he can pick the likes of Scott Hall up and stick them mm-hmm. on his shoulders and yeah yeah it, it felt to <clears throat> me like if you've got like this being the last match felt strange to me um I wouldn't have had great expectations of a Nash giant from a match point of view, but it was okay. Um, But I would have thought that would have been on after this, Mm -hmm. just because in my mind what Luger is, and even Savage, who I love, he was very rarely the top guy. He's he's not the main event guy of of even of the NWO, aye? It is odd. Um, Something I liked about Macho Man that... um, was seeing here in WCW versus not really seeing it in WWF was uh, the dynamic of Elizabeth. Um, we're used to Elizabeth being this uh, like kind of holier than thou mm-hmm. uh, lovely woman, but here she's um, 
even in the way she's dressed, you can tell that she's a bit more edgy uh-huh. um, and she's doing a lot of sneak attacking when the ref's back is turned and you, would, yep. you, you got that with um, Sensational Sherry when she was uh-huh. with Savage but you never got it from Elizabeth and uh, it was something I wasn't expecting to see so that was a little bit different, I quite liked that. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, yeah, just added a little bit of a different dynamic to the duo because mm-hmm. um, much as she did the odd distraction and things like that back in the day never really physically involved in anything uh, it was it was different I, I enjoyed that as well so eventually throughout this match or, or towards the end of this match I should say <clears throat> we have Scott Hall and Hogan come down to the ringside yes that's right <laughs> <laughs> There's a, someone gets involved in this match too. So Scott yeah. Hall's got a chair and Hogan comes down too and Hogan's a bit like, why are you down with the chair? Because up to this point, it's being sold as Kevin Nash has got a problem with Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall seeing, I think, you know, an issue that Scott Hall's got with, with Macho Man. But anyway... Um, they come down inside and they eventually end up just beating down Lex Luger, don't they? Yeah, so Hogan actually stops Hall from getting involved in the match. Did, um, am I right? Did he have the chair? Or is that an yeah, extra? Right, does, right, yeah, okay. he's, he's got the chair and then Hogan stops him from, from making the save, uh, basically. Um, and then when they end up in the ring, I assume Sting just runs down because I, I think he must run in to even up the numbers, effectively. Um, and we end up with, I think Hall is kind of basically laid out on the outside, and you end up with Hogan and... It must be it's just Hogan and Savage, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, both ending up in uh, the clutches of... I'm trying to remember which way around it was. Um, yeah, Sting's got Hogan in the yeah. uh, Scorpion Deathlock and, yeah, and Luger's got Savage in his um, torture, torture rack. Torture rack, yeah. So it's kind of a, I don't know, a happy ending with <laughs> the, the good guys of the WCW side seemingly dominating the fractured... NWO yep. side of things yeah. um, and they're, they're, they've been playing on that as things go that because of the divisions in the NWO because they're not all on the same page that WCW can take back some power in, in the whole dynamic so it, it kind of goes off air at the end of the night but there's still Shivani with that regret about what happened with Dusty even though I think they even go as far as just saying it it's been a good night for WCW Um which, you know, maybe the results don't really point to that, but it's it's certainly the way they're painting it, because, I mean, Nash certainly beat the Giant, well, almost killed the Giant, um, but it's still the, the perception they want you to end this with is things have evened up a bit. This is no longer just the NWO-dominant show um, because our two of our great WCW hopes are currently it's going off air with them getting the better of the... NWO guys. Yeah, they've they've got an issue here, and I'm, I have no idea how it pans out. Although I, d- I do know about the kind of fractured, um, different versions of 
of the NWO that we end up with, like Latino World Order and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got an issue in that the NWO, certainly aspects of the NWO are, are too over with the fans. Yeah. Um, that it's going to be difficult for them to try and get people to to stay on the side of WCW, I think. Yeah, I think... Um I think Sting was always pretty over, mm-hmm. so I think their their hope is, you know, he's basically the guy they can put face to face with Hogan, and hope for at least a mixed reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do know that they basically do end up having to go down a route of kind of having to have NWO versus NWO because they're both so over, because they are so over with the crowd, mm-hmm. and it, it is like that that cool heel thing yeah it's a TX thing as well yeah yeah it's the the exact same thing where at some point even if you try to position them as heels you kind of have to turn at least an element of them babyface yeah talking about DX something that I picked up on between Nitro and this pay-per-view do you notice how many guys were doing crotch chops yeah I did yeah like if you're in charge of WCW you'd be saying nobody should be doing this this is the thing like the big thing that's on the other channel Mm -hmm. it's really odd apparently and I I remember seeing not so much at the time but you know there's these have you ever watched on the network there's these Monday Night Wars shows yeah it's like a series of shows yeah and one of them is about DX and uh, one of them I think is about NWO right Um. And they, they basically, you know, be it while walking down to the ring or um, doing segments where they're, they're kind of mugging the camera off at times, they're kind of speaking to each other hmm. because uh, Hall and Nash are pretty dominant on one channel and then uh, Michaels and Triple H as DX are one of the dominant elements on the other channel. But they're, you know, they're, they're both saying things like too sweet at times, although that was more an NWO thing that it's, mm. it's mentioned. And the Crocs shops are a thing as well. And it's almost like they're quite enjoying having a little bit of <laughs> secret interaction between the... Because, you know, I think we're all hey, grown up enough now to realise these guys are still all friends. The fact that one's working on one channel, one's working on another. Um, I, I assume that hasn't in any way fractured the dynamic between the group. Um, they're probably quite happy to see the others on top on another channel. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that, to be honest. Um, and that's quite a good point. And I don't know if the, even guys like Scott Steiner were doing it. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was odd. Anyway. I don't know if the you know Bischoff would have been happy about it, or Vince would have been happy about uh, it. Um, but it was pretty clear when you see it in the segments on that Monday Night Wars show that it was happening. They were right. basically um, speaking to each other, almost yeah. on, on camera. That's quite funny. Um, so overall, what do, what, what, what do we think for this pay-per-view? Like you said, um, it's a bit of a, a, a show of two halves, isn't it? Yeah, there, there was some stuff early on that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the eight-man tag. I, mm-hmm. I, I thought, thought it was good entertainment, good fun. Uh, I enjoyed Benoit Raven, and it's a storyline I would like to see more of. Um, I I enjoyed what we saw of Jericho. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I like the little you know hints at who the character is and you know it, it, he obviously flies off in various directions with it but just to see somebody taking a little bit of ownership and trying to do something um, with a, a spot that maybe wasn't intended for it um, I think we're starting to see much as I didn't love the match or uh, the opponent or anything I think we're starting to see Booker T become a bit of a singles protagonist yeah. he's, he's obviously like, I think the whole idea of the television title is that it is on everything so he's going to be on TV and on the pay-per-views against I think a whole variety of different opponents but at least he's spotlighted he's there um, and yeah pleasantly surprised like you were with the Hall Zabisco um, you've obviously got quite a big emotional turn in mm-hmm. there with uh, Dusty Rhodes um, the rest of it I wasn't a huge fan of it's it's star power you know it's a lot of guys that you pay to see because um, yeah. when you've got I mean Hogan doesn't have a match but you know he's, he's there by Nash's side um, you've got the Giant you've got Bret Hart you've got Ric Flair you've got Randy Savage um, you do have Luger uh, there's a lot in there that I think are you know big stars that to be honest a lo- that's what a lot of people who are watching it are paying to see regardless of match quality yeah. um, I remember just thinking when I when I used to do the channel hopping thing that we've we've referenced before I would have a little flick and look and see what was going on on the other channel just thinking oh you know these are the guys that I grew up watching mm-hmm. and I was enjoying the WWF show more but there's still that sort of nostalgia pool yeah. as well. And recognisability as well. Yeah, yeah. So oh. yeah, a, a mixed show for me. Um, and I know... I know how big they were getting ratings and things like that. There's some of the storylines I liked, some of them... I just felt I, I would struggle to get into a bit. Okay. Cool. I, th- I think I'd, I'd agree with your assessment. Um, there was some good stuff, surprisingly good stuff, and there was some sort of lazy booking mm. um, that that was a little bit frustrating, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. Did you watch the Nitro afterwards or, or not? Did you? I, I you didn't. Scarred. No. I just... Um I think when they mentioned it was going to be a three-hour nitro from now on, I just thought, oh no, I I, I can't do it. I'm not I'm not mentally prepared to go and do that. You did, didn't you? I did. I'll, I'll very quickly kind of give you the highlights, um, okay. if that's what we want to call it. Um, <laughs> so so continuing the whole Macho Man uh, and Lex Luger storyline, um, right right at the end of the show. We've already had various different versions of NWO on the show. We've had Hogan cutting a far too long promo and Bischoff cutting a far too long promo at various points. We've had Nash cutting promos, Scott Hall with Lewis Spicoli. Um, Eventually we get Spicoli versus someone that I can't remember in the ring. Uh, And then on the big screen we see Macho Man turning up in his own car comes running down the ring and decks both guys Uh, he grabs the mic and he basically tells the NWO he's no interest he wants them just to stay away from him Um, and all he wants is Lex Luger 
uh, basically the whole NWO come out to the ring and kind of um, stand around him, try to intimidate him and, and whatever. The match one's brilliant at this point. Mm-hmm. And like H- Hogan's Hogan's saying all these different things to him and he's just playing it off sarcastically like, oh yeah, is that right? <laughs> uh, it's really, really good. Nice. Um, so that's how it finishes and, and we've got just more kind of fractures in the NWO. Okay. Um, some other highlights, talked about br- br- highlights, British Bulldog uh, shows up for the first time and has a god-awful match with mm. uh, Mongo McMichaels. Um, JJ Dillon bans the powerbomb and any other version of the, the jackknife powerbomb after what happened to the Giant. Like I said, they play that up big style. And he was able to just make that decision. He didn't need to call out any legends or anything. No, he didn't. No, I, I okay. thought he maybe would bring it Papa Shango to make that decision for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we saw Goldberg for the first time in 1998, as far as, as what we'd been watching. Um, and, yeah. So Larry Zabisco says... that They're talking about what Goldberg looks like. And Larry Zabisco says, yeah, he looks like a man back when men were men and women couldn't vote. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's just that, like, what? That, that's a statement. That's... What are you talking about? <laughs> like he was reminiscing over a great time. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, you wouldn't say that now, would you? No, you that was odd. No. Yeah. Um, and my favourite part of this whole episode Nitro was this thing that they were doing where um, a fraternity at a college enter a competition to be to have like a Nitro uh, party thrown at their what do you call okay. it dorms or fraternity yeah. house or something like that yeah um, and Jean's there with the Nitro girls and you just got a bunch of drunk-looking guys all, like, screaming down the camera. And Mean Gene looks like he's just, like, the cat that got, got, the, got the cream. He's having a great time. Um, and there's a scene in Ready to Rumble where there's this, like, big party after Nitro. Um, and it's almost exactly like that. It's really, really weird. And, like I'd said to you on... Um, text. This just seems like it's a recipe for a guaranteed <laughs> lawsuit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there wasn't a lot went on. There was a really good match between Raven and Morris, um, which was enjoyable. But yeah, there wasn't much else going on. Okay. So we'll see um, where things are when we pick it up uh, in a few episodes when we get to Super Brawl. Yeah. And we'll see Sting v Hogan for the title so that should be interesting I was really looking forward to watching WCW stuff because uh, it was new it would be new to me Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed aspects of it but uh, yeah there's a reason people talk about WCW in the way that they talk about it did it feel like it was on for three hours the Nitro Um. I suppose it won't be three hours, will it? Nah, it's like two fifteen or something like that. But yeah. it wasn't bad. Okay. It, it didn't feel like overkill. Um, the I think the pay per view more felt like that than the the, the yeah. episode nitro. So yeah. So so where are we going next? What have we got to look forward to? 
So, are we going to ECW Yeah, let's get extreme. Okay, so the first ECW pay-per-view of the year, Living Dangerously, 1998. It takes place right at the start of March. Um, And uh, I've just had a quick look at the card. I think there's some things to look forward to on there. I had it in my mind, don't look at the card, because then you can just watch it blind and really enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It It starts in March. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Wonder if we should leave that until March. Yeah. Um, I thought there might have been an earlier in the year one, but no. There, obviously, they won't be running the same volume of pay per views yeah. as the the other companies. Yeah. So it might be that we're we're back to WWF before that. So what's the? Sorry, I'm just asking you because I think you've got Wikipedia <laughs> up in front of you. What's the WWF pay per view in February? So it'll be the one after the Royal Rumble, won't it? Um, did, did we say it was No Way Out, maybe? Or is that a more recent? I will find out. I think it has this right handy button that tells me what the next pay-per-view is. So it's uh, No Way Out of Texas um, is the next WWF one. So that's the one. Yeah, it's mid-February. That's the one between the Rumble and WrestleMania. Okay, let's go in so, uh, uh, calendar order. Yeah. Um, sorry, I expected that ECW uh, would have had a January pay-per-view as well, but that makes sense that they don't. Yeah, I think they're maybe just working, say, four a year, whereas right. the rest are pretty much monthly, I think. Cool. Well, yep. let's do that then. Let's go to No Way Out of Texas, did you say? Yes. Cool. Um, that reminds yeah. me, that reminds me, on these did you catch this on that on these WCW shows? They're um, they're advertising a paper listen event. Yes, I heard that. Uh, <laughs> is that something people would pay for? Should should we be covering that in our next episode? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful. You just can't get that. That's gone. <laughs> just audio on the network. <laughs> Listen to it whilst walking the dog. Yeah, uh, I just when I heard it, I just thought I can't believe anyone's actually. It was like doing that. it's like fifteen dollars or something. Mm-hmm. Absolute, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that there's many PPLs after yeah. that one. Nah, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> what have we got? Um, should we spoil the main event for that for that pay per view? Or should we should we wait for No Way Out of Texas? Yeah. Um, I, I, I can tell you Go if on, you want give me a wee taste of what we're looking forward to okay. it's not going to be Michael's is it because his back is yeah so done. the the pay-per-view is a non-sanctioned eight-man tag match what? now the lineup is quite strange but I'll run through it with you um, you've got <laughs> Cactus Jack Chainsaw Charlie right. Owen Hart and Stone Cold right as one team now it's quite a strange team I mean can can I guess what it clearly is is they have a common enemy these these four yeah Um, yeah go go ahead Triple H yes Savio Vega yes Uh, nah that's my guesses I kind of think Legion of Doom no no it's the Outlaws the New Age Outlaws oh okay so what what I think they're doing because this this actually would have been 
because it's an in your house, I think these were all were they slightly less cost, slightly shorter shows. Is uh, that two two used hour to shows them? maybe. Yeah. So we do have other matches on this that are quite well. Other match on this, which is quite a high profile big match. Okay. Um, just just below the main event, which is Kane v Vader. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I think what they would have done with this type of card is they probably wouldn't have had the champion defend his title. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because basically you have to pay full price to see that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think they've just affiliated guys that had issues with, you know, this sort of expanded DX. I'm not sure how Savio Vega falls into the... Well, he was being paid by DX to like assault Austin. Ah, okay. okay. Um, or Los Bariquas were anyway. I was really impressed when you picked that name out. I thought, as soon as you said Savio Vega, I thought he's going to get them all here. Yeah, that missed out on the outlaws. I miss a pay-per-view where it's like storyline based and you get a tag match as a main event. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, everything's a big match and you've got 45 different championships being um, yeah. defended. It, it is quite a, a relief in a way to see the title not defended mm-hmm. every event you mm-hmm. know it's it's supposed to be a bit more special than that I yep. think yep. Um, and it kind of devalues it having it defended well I mean it gets defended on TV now as well quite quite regularly but yeah it's it's a little bit of a there's another tag match in here <laughs> go on tell us a card I'm, right, okay. I'm invested the, the, the concern is it might put you off but I'm going to go through <laughs> the cards right so we start with the headbangers uh-huh. up against the artist formerly known as Goldust and Mark Merrow right I've, I've whetted your appetite now absolutely right we then go into light heavyweight championship Taka Taka against Pantera great band um, <laughs> and, uh, I wonder if then, he'll be br- broken after or if he'll see nice nah. okay do you think he'll be able to walk um, I think uh, he might get taken to the <laughs> cemetery gates <laughs> keep going <laughs> should move on um, yeah the Godwins oh no against the Quebecers oh god <laughs> Bradshaw against Double J Jeff Jarrett for the NWA North American Heavyweight Championship yes uh, this this lineup for this match, okay, this is quite something. Ahmed Johnson, mm. the Disciples of Apocalypse, Indeed. and Ken Shamrock. That's your face team up, ag- up against the Nation of Domination. Yes, Farouk, Mark Henry, uh, Kama, and and who the Rock? No, Kama, Dilo, and the Rock. Okay. So the DOA are a three-man team. Oh, so, of course. Uh, right. Yeah, we've got five on five. Yeah. Wow, ten-man um, target. Yeah, that's cool. And it's referred to as a war of attrition match. I don't know what that means, but yeah. That's, I wonder if that's it's similar cool. to a Nigerian drum match. It could be exactly the same. Yeah. Mm. Or Raven Drills. Um, then, then we get into Kane v Vader, and then Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie, Owen, Stone Cold against. Outlaws, Savio Vega and Triple H. Amazing. I am in. Thank you, Paul Heyman, for giving <laughs> us that gift. I was looking forward to getting to, to ECW, but... Uh, but, but can... you know, 
the, the waiting it'll just make it all the sweeter absolutely yeah great stuff oh well look forward to that um, we'll yeah. get into, into some raw action uh, that sounds totally inappropriate I don't think I should have said that <laughs> we, we will watch the raw before that and yes. talk about the pay-per-view and talk about what happens after um, on episode 14 and I think the, the after will be good as well because you're already kind of building to WrestleMania. We're starting our mania, yep. Yeah. Tremendous. Well, I look forward to that, Adam. Yep. Um Thank you for putting up with all that WCW action. I know it wasn't your favourite thing to watch, but... Um, it's, it's, it's different, and it's... I think once I get more into some of the stories, I probably will enjoy it more because we talked about the, the benefit of doing this is that you're not going into the big pay-per-views cold. Mm-hmm. You kind of have a feel for what's going on. So that was step one. So as it goes, <laughs> I'll get more of a feel for what's going on. Some of it I'll hate. Some of it hopefully I'll, I'll really like. Yeah. 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 Open-minded is yes. what, what we are. Right. Um, give us a shout out on um, on Twitter or Instagram at Outlaws Pod. I will definitely be posting a video of the big show, aka the giant, getting power bombed on his head. So look out for nice. that. Um, but yeah, apart from that, stay safe, and we will see you for episode fourteen. See you then. Cheers, Adam. Thank you.